Hello. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 10. This is number 10 of Red River Podcast. Um, double digits. And oddly enough, I'm here by myself because Parker and Langan are uh, away on location, I would say, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, today I get to hang out with a, a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a while, and uh, I get to ask him a whole bunch of questions that I've been meaning to. Um, but, you know, a text message could only go so far. So um, <laughs> here is Paul Travers. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. Um, now, Paul made a movie called Old 37. I did. And um, that's definitely like as, as uh, horror nerd fans that we are. Do you know what Red River is? I do. You do? Well, wait, what Red River podcast? Or like, yeah, Red I mean, like how we got no, the name. No, how did you get the name? <laughs> I <laughs> okay, was like, yeah, I'm on cause, it. Because your, your, your dude was on there. Um, so in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, mm-hmm. the radio station was yeah. Red River. Ah, got it. Radio station. So. Genius. Bill, Bill Mosley will come up later. So. Oh, yeah, he will. But uh, you're kind of like a, an adopted Long Island son, right? For sure. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, how the yeah. hell did that happen? Um, I guess because when I was in, uh, I sang for this band, Grudge Holder, in Massachusetts, and uh, we played a lot of shows with Tension. Do you remember the first show you guys played together? With Tension? Yeah, it was at Club Babyhead in Providence. Okay. And them and Outrage came down, and we were, you know, we were, we played Club Babyhead a lot. It was like their first time, I think, and uh, we were just like, who are these guys? They came like 35 people deep. That's that Hoodies, <laughs> face masks. I'm like, these guys are cool. Yeah. And we just became friends with them like pretty much right away. Do you remember what year? Uh, probably 94. And you guys, uh, how long have you get, were you guys a band by then? Grudge Holder. Um, probably, we were probably a band two years at that point. So you guys were like making records? Yeah, we then? had a couple of, we had a demo, two, probably two tapes out. And so we had cassettes back then. Like where in Massachusetts was like the base? For us, it was a town called Taunton. Taunton? Which is like 30 minutes south of Boston. Okay. But that, it was like in between Boston and Providence. And Providence was much easier to get shows at. And they were just like a cool music scene. So we always played uh, in Providence. Yeah, like kind of like when we played Brooklyn. Exactly. So it's like no, no one's playing West Babylon. <laughs> so all right, that, that explains the the slight accent there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But, so, um, so anyway, yeah, so the reason I got, came to Long Island is because after years of playing with them, after my band broke up, uh, I spent a few years just doing nothing, and then uh, it was like, I'm going to move to New York, because the drummer of Tension had a place with a room in Spionk, so I moved in. Was it Ronnie? Or uh, horns. Oh, dude. yeah. So he Dave. moved down south, didn't he? Yeah, he's in like near Charlotte, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, all right. Well, that's great. Um, going back to um, what you're doing now, kind of. Um, I know that when we spoke, you um, you were doing like this '80s thing with um, the, the your company, Big Picture Media. Yeah, we did a uh, strange '80s. I got to hear about that, but first, uh, just. I guess let everyone know that you and your your wife Dana, me, me and my wife Dana, you guys run uh, run and own a company called Big Picture Media. Yeah, yeah. Ten years ago, she started it uh, out of our apartment in Manhattan, and she needed help right away. After like two or three months, she had so many clients; it was just like insane because she had thrice on the roster like right away, right away. <laughs> how how like, did she do that? <clears throat> just because because she she's had, good. She did his solo album at her oh, previous right. firm, 
And then she just became friends with the management. And when she left there, they were like, you want the Thrice album? We're like, yeah. Fuck yeah. So I had a paint company. I used to just, you know, paint houses and, uh, yeah, she needed the help. And she, I was like, I'll hit, close down she, my paint company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she tapped you with the wand. Yeah. And up that, you went. That was it. Now I'm a princess. Yeah. <laughs> From a lonely frog. <laughs> but, uh, man, I, Thrice is one of those bands that just like, uh. Even the last record, like the the, the 2016 Ooh. record, is fucking it's great. awesome. Yeah, you know, Badass. and they they started off like I always said that they were like a, a almost like a punk version of like Iron Maiden, totally with like their first few records. Yes. Yeah, Identity Crisis. Yeah, man, yeah. and the, like the hooks on that, and then Artist in the Ambulance. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like uh, I guess they just started getting experimental. Yes, and very much. and I think they split the audience. Yeah, like with Vishu. Yeah, they did for sure. You know, and, and and also the um, the elements one. Yeah, because those songs were kind of some of them were really far off of the alternative. It was know. like fucking four of them, right? It was four. It was like of them. water, fire, <laughs> yeah, all, yep, earth and wind. <laughs> Yo, which yeah. one did you guys do? All of them. Did you? Yeah. Interesting. So, like, when you get a project like that, I mean, that's kind of like it was tricky. It's tricky, man, because the press was like, "We just did this." You know, because they released them somewhat close together. Yeah. So it was like all the press did say Earth and Fire. Then when Water and Wind came up, because they released two at a time. Uh-huh. So like six or three or four months later, like whatever it was. Alchemy or something. Yeah, Alchemy Index. That's what it was. Is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah, like that. Yeah. The you know the press was a little like oh, okay we just covered this so yeah. it's just kind of tricky. So what like man that, that that's a crazy angle and and. Uh, from there, I think they stabilized, and then like I, I see like their live show, and like they mix up the songs very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would love to like ask them and think like you know like Dusted and be like, what the fuck were you guys you know like doing? Because it's ballsy to yeah. to basically have this audience and just be like, I want to write these songs, mm-hmm. and you do it. And sometimes it's career suicide, and sometimes it works out. Especially now with like the way the music industry is going, it's like it's hard to capture. Uh, the audience's attention for so long. For sure. Right? Yeah. You know, because like you're on Spotify and you're listening to one song while you're like thinking of the other 20 that you want to look up. They, uh, yeah, they're really smart. Like Dustin's super smart and super thoughtful and he thinks things through and Tepe is just like a musical genius. Genius, So it's like you can't just be like, just write emo riffs forever. He's like writing friggin' full-blown symphonies, you know? Yeah. And and so I you know I think they're they're doing their thing I think they're sustaining and like I said the last record was, was a so really good mixture um, it was just dark of all still. their styles I yeah think. man yeah right yep I think so I um, all right so so like like we were talking about big picture media is like a the like a PR company PR firm yep all right so then um, I thought it was pretty cool that you went to LA just recently yeah yeah we went uh, Friday for that thing what was Two it called again ago. it was called uh, Sweet Relief is the company and they put it on it's called strange 80s and uh it was a uh it's a benefit because sweet relief is a charity that gives to musicians who have medical bills that they can't afford yeah that's crazy <clears throat> yeah it's pretty cool so, so the, where, this where kid is... matthew leone was in the band called um <laughs> what are they called? i can't remember what they're called and the, i'll think of it in like a minute but he interrupted a man beating his girlfriend, oh, and then sh- that guy oh, no. crushed his skull. Really? He was in a coma for a week, and Sweet I Relief f- helped pay his bills. Okay. Wow, uh, that's crazy. 
Oh, what the hell? So anyway, that, I mean, if you have your phone, just look yeah, it up, and then I'll just edit it. Yeah, he he's uh, Medina Lake. Medina Lake. Yeah, you know. Okay. Them. They're twins. They won Fear Factor, took the fifty grand, and uh, <laughs> recorded an album, went on tour, and have been like a band ever since. Except okay. Except for when this happened. So anyway, he dedicated his whole life to Sweet Relief. And so um, he started it. He didn't he, start it. Oh, he didn't start. Nope. But another woman who actually has MS started it. Did she even start it? I think she did start it. I don't. But have still, e- either way, it's like a really cool. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like uh, I guess kind of almost like a union of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Because um, who the fuck has insurance? You know, dude. Exactly. <laughs> so he was getting Finn Wolfhard. Um, he's like the lead boy in Stranger Things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he, getting him to sign a guitar because he's in a band called oh, like, is he? Calpurnia. I saw him in in a pup video. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So man. he loved rock and uh, and they they got to be friends when he signed the guitar for them and they're like, well, what would you ever? What's your dream? And he's like, to put on a show and play with all these bands. And he likes like deep tracks. Like he likes '90s music and the 80s Stranger music. Kids. Yeah, the thing? Stranger Things kid, like Pixies and things that you wouldn't necessarily think a fourteen year old would be into. Awesome. So they put this show together around him, and Matthew knows a ton of people, and they just they built it up. at Tenacious D, Weird Al Yankovic. Um, Weird Al still kicking around. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> it like, his career yeah. is amazing when yeah. you really think about it. Like this guy, I mean, I guess there's talent, and he's like a talented guy, but it, he his career is just changing the lyrics to songs. And that's then all. Putting, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. UHF was great. Yeah, yeah so, so but funny. Yeah, and Tenacious D, like those two dudes. Like I remember when I first watched like their HBO special, and I was like, "Yo, these guys are actually like super, super talented." Oh yeah, like yeah. they could like they were the best. They, they were, were fucking really good. They were so funny at the event too. Yeah, yeah, because they had like a they brought out Sarah Silverman played with them okay. as if she was the new member of the band. Yeah, and they had a fight in the middle. And they threw her out, and it was just a stupid. Oh, so funny. That's awesome. And yeah. you were just there hanging out. Yeah, you just... were doing uh, interviews, too, right? Yeah, I didn't get to interview them though. Weird Al and Tenacious D didn't do interviews. Okay, but like Jane Weedlin, Weedlin from the Go Go's was there. Would you played. Would you ask her? I mainly just had to ask like how they got involved with yeah. Sweet Relief because I was there on behalf of Sweet Relief because I'm going to be editing a sizzle reel for them. So like next year they can raise more money. Okay. So I'm going to like, I had my friend Seichi who did B unit cinematography for me on Old 37. Uh, they, he uh, shot everything for me because he lives in California now. Cool. So it's pretty cool. He just, yeah, I, I think, it, and it's such a, th- it's, it's such a great concept um, to, to do that, 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 um, what, what you just described. Cause I, I think a lot of bands would be on board for something like that. They so. just all kept coming, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The dude from Slipknot. Oh, really? Scott what? Ian. Um, really? The dude from Slipknot was uh, Corey, Corey Taylor. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. He's super, super nice. The nicest guy ever. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Cool. I, yeah. I like that. Um, okay, so then and then you came back and now you're uh, hanging out on Long Island. Yeah, just kicking it, kicking it. Yesterday was my wife's birthday, and uh, happy birthday, D. What'd you guys do? We we flew home from L.A. and then we just went to dinner. Oh, okay. You didn't get her like a cupcake on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so going going back to to um the long island roots here yeah all right so you, you start playing some some shows out here yeah uh, but you said one scrudge holder uh ended which yeah. was what year 
98. All right, so 98, and then you come out here, and you were just like, fuck it, let me see what Long Island... Yeah, because it had a great music scene. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go out there and just play music. Joe Rubino from Tension, he was always like, you should come out here, you should come out here. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And what did you do when you first got here? Like, did you join a band? Um, I did. I, yeah, I tried. I mean, I tried out for a few bands. That band, The Sleeping, I tried out for them. If you okay. know those guys. Yeah. Uh, then I got in this band with this dude, Sam. Oh, me? Yeah. Okay, yeah, but that was like 2000. <laughs> That's when I moved out here, though. Was it? Yeah. I mean, I when, like... when we were in a band probably like a year and a half or something. Yeah. And I moved out here and at the end of 02 so it was okay for a year oh, and a half. okay all right I, I fucked up so you came out here around so, that time yeah. yeah we started a band together called passenger always dies and um i got to like sing backup and play guitar and play real fast it was fun and it was fun um so i remember you told me about a dream okay so you have this dream and that's what the movie old 37 was based on um what a like, I mean, I don't want to say a great dream because it sounded like pretty crazy, <laughs> but like scary. the actual concept of the dream and what the movie turned into, like even like, uh, what was I reading? I think I was reading like Bloody Disgusting mm. and they, they mentioned they say the same thing. They're like thinking like, what a really cool original idea. But yeah, just, just describe the dream that turned into the movie. Uh, yeah. So it was just, I, so I was just in a car. I woke up from a car accident. The driver of the car was out cold. And then uh, this weird guy with a clipboard or something takes me out of the car and he's trying to get me to come to the back of this truck that was like a box truck, like a cube truck. And it was supposed to be an ambulance, you know, because it was just a dream. So it was kind of all weird. And then he had my... I guess while he was talking to me, he had my friend taken out of the car and when I got to the back of the fake ambulance, which is just a box truck, he they had a meat grinder in the back, and this huge man was <laughs> grinding up the driver of the car, just grinding him and making all these weird grunt sounds, and uh, that scared the shit out of me. So I tried to run, <laughs> and he tried to push me in and then close the door on me, but uh, I, I jumped out and I ran, and then I woke up while I was running, and I instantly was, like, terrified, and I... Uh, I ran to, it was like five in the morning, and I just grabbed a notebook and just wrote it all down. Most people have dreams all the time. Like, what? why would you write it down? Because I was like, fake paramedics? I, was, I just was like, that is an amazing idea for a horror movie. Because I always wrote lyrics, because i was been in a band since I was 16. So I think, yeah, I don't know. I just, you're always writing stuff, but I was like, this is a movie idea, if I ever heard one. Yeah. But I had never written and, a movie. But you never, but, but this was like the first actual idea that, that you had was written it. down. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> which oh, well, is funny. Fu- funny enough, the first thing I ever wrote down was a movie about a guy stuck in an ATM. We were talking about ATM earlier. Really? <laughs> the first, Get the fuck out of here. I wrote a short story, probably, I was already out of high school, but I wrote it when I was like 19. They bit your shit. About, about a guy that was, he was like the cleaner of the bank, and he got, someone got stuck in the ATM at the bank, and he was there overnight shift. And he was had them trapped in there, and no one could get in to save the person or something. It was like, you know. It wasn't exactly like that movie. No, I mean, and, and like when ATM, we're talking about the movie ATM, mm-hmm. um, you know, you read it and you're like, how the fuck did they stretch this out? Dude, I watched it on the plane. And yeah. I was like. They stretched it, man. <laughs> I didn't get to see the end, so I don't even know how it ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I guess it's just these, 
like what was it like four of them? Yeah, uh, there was three of them. Three of them. They're like there. stuck, and I guess this person is outside. Yeah, terrified of this person. And uh, two yeah, able-bodied college dudes. Who yeah, afraid of just one dude. Just one dude. It's like they couldn't rush him. Yeah, but know, they must have lived in. So. These things happen. Actually, I forgot who was in that movie. Hmm. The dude from like Drake and Josh or something. That's right. Yeah, because he, he was in in the, in the Wackness. Like it's amazing, like how fragmented movies come out. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like uh, it's like music. It's you, it's easier to be seen and heard. It's just harder to be he, seen and heard because it's like <laughs> yeah, it's easier but harder because it's so much. There's so much. Like much. you go on to Netflix or you go on to like fucking you go to Redbox. Mm-hmm. And there's like 10 Nicolas Cage movies that you've never heard of. Dude, I need a butler or like an assistant, a personal yeah. channel flipper just to get through. Because I mean, I'll spend a half hour, 45 minutes looking through Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime. And I'm I like, oh, I have a friggin' headache and I haven't picked a movie yet. I fucking do too. I think most people do. I think it, it, they I think. just sit there and everything sounds good. Um, and that's why I started this, remember? Yeah. <laughs> um, because... Um, I'm pointing to my harder discussion. Discussion. Um, it's just easier, you know. You just you go on there and you're like, "Has anyone seen this?" And if like somebody whose taste I line up with says that they have, it's more of a chance, you know. Because like once you start reading horror movie descriptions, like everything sounds good. You know, there's a movie that I just read and it's called "Don't Fuck in the Woods." <laughs> <laughs> Yo, <That's awesome. laughs> dead fucking serious. Don't fuck in the woods, That's and the weird. cover is like some chick with her ass. I mean. It could be, uh, there's no way that it's like good, good. Yeah, right. It's, I don't know if it's like, you know, watchable, but it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so like. There's no beating around the bush. No, but like, I, I think it could be interesting. It's a movie called Don't Fuck in the Woods. Amazing. Like it's, they're just letting you know right away. Yeah. Just hit play mm-hmm. and we'll take care of the rest. So what I love about the story is like, all right, so not many people have dreams that they turn into movies, but it, it was a fucking slow process, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like a decade. <laughs> <laughs> like no joke, a decade. All right. So you're writing all this shit down, right? You're mm-hmm. writing and you're writing, you're writing it uh, in your apartment. And then from there, like you wake up the next day, do you tell your, your uh, soon to be wife? Yes. Uh, of course. I told everyone. <laughs> just like, you <laughs> what just, that's what you do. And like you... You what know, did she say to you? Uh, she know you know she knows I'm kind of weird. Yeah, like, like her family is always like, if Dana's ever dead, we know it was you already. Like it's like okay, yeah. So they everyone knows I'm a kind of a dark dark kind of thinker. So she yeah she thought it was cool. She's always we always push each other with our dreams and hope. That's why she started this company. And I'm like let's do it. She's, yeah. I'm like I'm making a movie. She's like let's do it. You know that's just how we are. We moved to L. A. Let's go. Like we just kind of move around. We do what we do. You know. Yeah, I mean that's good. You definitely need that. Uh, it's good know, to have a partner. She's she's the Bonnie's here, Clyde, mm-hmm. minus the whole like gun thing. Yeah, there's no gun play. Right? Yeah, <laughs> minus the whole getting killed. <laughs> yeah. Um. So from there, like, how long before like you put it away somewhere, right, in a drawer somewhere? Um. When do you start thinking to yourself like, hey, maybe I could do this? Because I, I think she was going to school at the time, right? Um, she, yeah, she might have been just finishing school. Because right when she got her first job in the city, doing was it covers? Class, we pretty much just moved. No, it was called Steven Styles Group. Okay, she did like pop kid bands and then also candy like pop rocks and shit like that yeah r- ring pops she was like, funny. Listen, yeah it was really you funny. got you gotta put in put in the, the yeah dudes there. yeah exactly and she did she did and so. 
uh, yeah, then we moved to the city. So I wrote the script in the city. So we were in Long Island when I dreamt it, and then I wrote it in the city. Like, did you look up something on how to write a script? I did, yeah. I just, like, uh, mostly online. I read a lot of stuff online, and I read a bunch of scripts. Probably read the worst one ever. I read Pulp Fiction, which is, like, not a good lesson, you know, because it's all, like, oh, it's the timeline's crazy. Let's not completely you, crazy, yeah. yeah. So I just, I, I read a few different scripts, and I just... Just so we can get, like, a, 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 a timeline. Like, what was the year on this? Uh, 05. So you guys moved to the city? City in 05, yeah. And then you're sitting there fucking on a typewriter. Yeah, I was a painter at the whatever. time, and I had time off because I didn't have work or whatever, and I just like banged it out in three weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. And, first and, dra- and first how, draft. How different is the first draft? Very. From, I mean, from, from the, the movie, movie yeah. super different. All the same, actually, all the same stuff is in there, but minus like 20 characters and like 30 scenes and murders and random people. Like now, looking back on it, what you know from that first draft. Do you feel like some of that should have stayed in? Yeah, definitely. Especially after reading the reviews of all these little punk ass fuckers. <laughs> just yeah. Like, well, listen, never read, never read the reviews or comments. They Come on, say man. that, and everyone lies because you have to. <laughs> Sometimes I'll still read them to this day by accident. Yeah. I'll get a Google alert. I'm like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, oh, ouch. <laughs> I got it. I got to read the rest but of this. But once now. in a while, someone will really write a good one. Like they get every nuance of the script in the movie, and I'm like, oh, I like that. I'm like, so I didn't. You know, we did we did good. I think if people get it, then people get it. If people don't, that's fine too. So, um, so you get the first draft, mm-hmm. and you said there's like 20 more characters. Yeah, there was just a lot more deaths, and a lot more people, and a lot more partying, and a lot more. And do you think it, you know, it was just the like uh, I, just the fact that it was the first time that you wrote something? Yeah, I didn't know how to write. I didn't. I um let me think. So I yeah, I wrote it and we sent out query letters to get like an agent, which is like so stupid. So by then she's 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 working for covers. Mm, no, no, no. She was still. So she was just making content. Where was she? She might have been at covers by then. Yeah, she got to cover. She KSA Pressier is really what it was called. And then they changed it to covers like towards covers the end. Covers media. Yeah, okay. but it was called Pressier KSA. So and, she's uh, she's doing her thing. She's yeah, they working. Were, they had huge clients like. Lenny Kravitz and Most Def and you know blah blah blah. So I, I was just hearing, I was just talking about Lenny Kravitz. Oh yeah. Well, because I was thinking about how good the, the record Mama said was. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always just batting that one around. <laughs> just crowbarring that one in. But okay, yeah. Back 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 to your story. We'll talk about Lenny Kravitz on the yeah. part two. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dana. Is, is doing her thing, and then on the side, she's she's thinking, like, let me make some contacts, let me help out. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, even when she was interning at Island Records, she played up Passenger Always Dies for, like, the president oh, of A&R, so you know, f- at Island Records. That shitty she's recording? She's like, there, Island, Island Records is blasting Passenger Always Dies right now. That <laughs> shitty like, recording we made? Shitty, yes. Oh. Half good singing, like, I was like... Yeah, oh, listen. You, had a couple of good spots in that album. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to admire. It I mean, was the, so new. The it was our first four songs. Yeah, the songs you know? are still great. I could listen to them. I think yeah. they were really cool. I play um, them for Zoe. <laughs> okay, and I think I think Mike, you know, did his best with the recording. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, no, no, it's, definitely it's good. I'm surprised Def Jam but passed we totally, on us. We didn't land it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't <get> it. <laughs> I'm surprised Def Jam passed on us, Me but too. yeah. Next time. So uh, from there, from that first draft, where do we go? First draft. So she ends up doing press for the Spin Doctors, big comeback. And uh, she booked them on like some red carpet in Vegas, and I went with them. 
and I became friends with the singer <laughs> of the you spin do? doctors. You just went for... I just hang out. Oh, yeah, you're like, I'll go with you I'll go to the red carpet. It was like the radio um, radio awards. Not iHeartRadio, but it was like the ra- radio music awards. Sure. That's yeah, it was about. weird. It was like a radio... 2005, 2006? Yeah, when radio like had stuff. Stuff, yeah. And tons of celebrities it was really cool i met michael buble in the elevator yeah. and like he wasn't famous yet and yeah. i literally we like talked and he, we, i was gonna go to mcdonald's with him really but then i didn't and because i i loved his song home but i didn't even know who he was For we so. were talking to him i didn't know it was him and he didn't know where to eat and dana was like oh there's a backstage it's food for for all the celebrities you know because she recognized him from a billboard and then uh, he, let wait. me just interrupt you real yeah. quick before you finish that. Yeah. You're gonna shit on Lenny Kravitz, as Mama said, and then tell me <laughs> no. that you like My- Michael Bublé. Michael Bublé Buble- is I just, whack. Yeah, no. Michael Bublé is I whack love, as fuck. Wait, I love easy listening. I love Yo. soft rock. Well, yeah, my girlfriend and her sister, like, I'm like, when they listen to that, I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding. <laughs> no, I don't drive around with listening this to fucking Buble. shit. But go ahead, finish. Yeah, so then he yeah. went off and ate, and I didn't go to McDonald's with him. So that was fine, because I didn't even know what song he sang. He seems like a nice guy. Then he plays, and he plays that song home. I'm like, I love this song. Yeah. I love Buble. Yeah. But before he goes on, he sent, a, he sent a little PA from the stage to come down and thank Dana. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, that's so cool. He seems like a very nice guy. Yeah, he was totally nice. So, but anyway, so I became friends with Chris Barron of the Spin Doctors cool. from hanging out that time, and uh, he he liked the idea of Old Thirty Seven, which then was called Would Inside you t- Out. Did you tell him on the plane or some shit? No, we didn't fly together, but I, we told him when we were hanging out in the hotel and stuff. Yeah, and uh, he was like, "Wow, that's really cool." He goes, "You guys should talk to my entertainment attorney." And so we didn't. Dana talked to that guy, and he referred us to this other dude, Stephen Beer, who ended up becoming my entertainment lawyer. And he was like, yeah. He's like, my assistant read all the scripts that I gave him, and he said yours was the best one. And I was like, S- maybe this is could be a thing. Yeah, yeah. And you said it was called Inside Out? Yeah. Interesting. Why, because the girl, the lead girl is beautiful on the inside, and she wants to be beautiful on the outside. So huh. she kind of gets that makeover. And plus Big Inside titties. Out is like she gets friggin', you know, gutted or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of, that was it. But- over the years, I'm like, it's such a generic name. There's 50 movies called Inside Out. So I just wanted it to be a little more Last House on the leftish, leftish, you know, just to make it stand out more. Yeah, so then you decide Old 37. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of the Old 97s. I know. That's why I like, um, I don't know, maybe the, maybe that's why I subconsciously like. And There's a, like, <laughs> and, and there's a restaurant you, in the Philippines called Old 37, too. Oh, really? I always get the Google alert for it. I think you guys <laughs> did, who'd you guys do? I feel like you guys did Sparta and Jim Ward. Yeah, we did. Um, sleeper Car. We did Sleeper Car, yeah. Because I remember going yeah. to see Old 97s mm-hmm. and Sleeper Car. Nice. And uh, I think you guys were there. Maybe you guys got me in. I don't yeah. remember. So, Jim But, um, all right, so then you talk to this dude, and, like, at this point, your, your fucking script is, like, I mean, it's been a few, like, I guess it's been, like, a couple of years. Yeah. But, like, in this, at this point, you're probably thinking, like, I think this maybe might happen. Yeah, because I was like, this guy works at Greenberg Turorg in the MetLife building. Greenberg Turorg is a, and it is a law firm that's, like, the seventh largest in the planet. Huge. I'm like, I am so cool. And Stephen Beer worked with Britney Spears and, like, all these, like, Lady Gaga, all these big people. So I thought I was so cool. And, like, he just helped me. He assigned me a co-writer to yeah. clean it up because the script was a bit of a disaster. 
and he helped me make it okay more what? scripty like you know it just needed work yeah of course i mean because everyone has like their their format like you know these are people that, that do it all the time it's like a song you know yeah, you get exactly. somebody in there and it's be like exactly okay there's a lot of cool melodies here but i don't hear a verse or a chorus <laughs> right exactly i didn't have my verse or chorus yeah um so yeah and then so me and him worked on the script for a year me and this guy joe landes and that was i think that might have been that could have been 06 or it could have been 07. When the fuck, I remember, like I said, I, I always bring it up because I think it's the funniest shit. When when you guys did the uh, the, the reading the in Brooklyn. Word, yeah. Yeah. What what stage was that? That was that was probably, it was probably after it was done, maybe 07. Okay. Could have been. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where we lived when I did that. Somewhere in the city. But yeah, it was the IFP, which I belong to. You know, it's like a group for filmmakers, independent mm-hmm. filmmakers. And they just had the, a thing in Brooklyn. It was like the raw word reading. They'll read like a 10-page script with real actors. And it was just kind of cool. You know, up and coming, you know, whatever actors. Yeah, of course. it was. And they chose mine. They're like, we've never done a horror. This is so cool. I'm like, holy shit, this is the first thing I've ever written in my life. And it's like... It was definitely it's like gonna be awkward red. to stand there. It was so cool, like because we were all like sitting there, and I'm like, "Oh, what is this gonna be like?" What I guess they're going be? like, "We're gonna walk in there." <laughs> yep. and there was a lot of people there, yeah. and then they read. <clears throat> so it was and weird. Then, I don't know if in my head I was thinking it was ever gonna get made or not. I really can't answer that. Um, but it was still believing me, huh? You better fucking yeah. believe in me. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I, I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't remember my frame of mind there. Yeah. I just remember thinking it was very, it was awesome. It was like a, you know, you wrote something and then it, it just seemed more real. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, that's basically what a table reading is. Yeah. Before every TV show, before every movie, you do a table reading with the actors. And that's basically what it is. Like a producer or the director will read the narrative uh, and then the actor's do the do their dialogue. And that's how you feel. That's how you like, oh, that sounds fucking stupid. I got to change that. Yeah, of course. You know, because you're like, who can even say that? It's like 50 syllables and like the words are weird. You know, you have to write lyrically, you know? Yeah, once again, to equate it to music, it's yeah. like once you listen to like a, a live practice yeah. or you get in the studio, you're like, ah, oh, shit, this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and so it when when does Dana start the company? And then from there you start to get the engine going. Yeah. So we were just kind of hanging our hat on the Stephen Beer thing that he was going to just like get the movie made by magic like and i was just young enough i think i was just 30 thinking like remember that yeah i was like <laughs> oh my god someone's just gonna scoop me up and uh fucking make my movie and yeah. it's gonna be awesome but you sit on their lap didn't call the out. shots yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh didn't work out like that quite so much but uh so then in, i guess in, at the end of 07 she started her the company and we moved to massachusetts for like four months just to get her out of there was like a contract thing so we kind of just okay. with her other company oh with so the other company yeah, yeah, yeah so definitely. we kind of just kind of wanted to make sure that we were out of their jurisdiction and we did the company and what what was like the what was like did, did she have like a, a goal what she wanted to do she just wanted to work on clients she liked her company ksa press here covers media they were they only charged super high rates and you know, these smaller emo bands, Warped Tour bands, Circus Survive, she did there. That's yeah. how she got to know them. And it's just like, they would pass on a lot of stuff. I mean, they passed on Dustin's solo album. And she was like, what's this? Why is this in the pass pile? She scooped up and talked them into it. And like, 
And yeah. she got Dustin on Leno and Letterman in like the same month, which is like a, not even a thing that happens because they like they Ever, they don't yeah. like do that shit. Completely. You either do one or the other or the other. How the yeah. fuck did she do that? Fucking, I don't know. She's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> miracles. I got to get her back. Tell her to drive back. Yeah. So, um, uh, so everything starts going good. Yeah, um, the company was going, and then you know we weren't really hustling too much. We were doing old 37 on the side and just going to these things called the circuit, which our casting director put on. It's like a, a networking event every month. And I'd go to those and like meet people. And then this one guy, Rich Murray had a company that he wanted to make a horror movie and he loved my idea. And he, so wait, so that you go to these things, it's kind of like everyone's just like a schmooze fest. Mm-hmm. It's all like New York city film people, but not actors. So this guy just had a company and he want, he's like, Oh, he was like in the market to do one. Yep. And then there was like a whole bunch of Pauls just walking around and he snagged you. Yeah. So I guess it's a crazy story, but so I did the raw word reading. That went well. Everyone yeah. was like so into it. You were there, right? Yeah. Okay. So everyone was into that. They're like, wow, it's so cool that we never did a horror. Great. Uh, then I went to this event with, uh, I went to an IFP event. They didn't. No one knew I was there. Me and Dana were just kind of kicking around, just trying to sh- talk to people or whatever. And they had a big panel, and the guys that put on the raw word were talking about the raw word, and they didn't even know we were there, but they were like talking about Inside Out and how they did their first horror and it went over amazing and like how awesome it was. And me and Dana were like beside ourselves, like they're talking about our movie right now, which I thought was cool. So then they did another event at the JCC in Manhattan, big place. With like it was a tribute to Mary Harron, who directed American Psycho, and they they were doing a reading with her new script, and then the president of the Screenwriters Guild was there, and it was like this whole big thing with a couple other writers too, and they chose me to be a part of that too. It yeah. was like a full huge building full of people. Oh, that's funny. Listening to this, the opening. Did you have work the next day? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it was the opening of Old Thirty Seven where the the kids are on the date and then they get in the accident and, yeah. and then the guys come and kill them. So oh yeah, it's like was... a pretty brutal scene. Very brutal. Scene. And they're just all like sophisticated, like fucking people that are hearing stories. And mine was the only horror. Yeah. So the casting director of that night is uh, Adrian Stern and that's how I got into the circuit because we became friends she was like oh you're really easy to work with and you know just because I was stupid I was like just tell me who you're giving me to cast and yeah. I'm like okay you know yeah. <laughs> I think in life the easiest thing to do is to just not be a jerk not be a dick yeah, that's, that's dick. my motto yeah <laughs> I mean I am a dick but only to my friends <laughs> that's it <laughs> you know so oops, sorry and so yeah then uh so then he had the thing, I met Rich Murray, and he happened to, the crazy part is, is he is the director of Two Princes. Oh, the video. The, the video. The Spin yeah, Doctor's he's video. He's a mega 90s Oh, get the fuck video. out of here. He did uh, Chris Cross's fucking backwards clothes video. Jump, Jump. I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, he did like a ton of huge 90s videos. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love videos. Yeah. And so he was really cool. I'm still friends with him. I saw him like a month ago. And he had a company and he wanted to make the movie, so... They had the movie for a year option, and they didn't raise the money. No big deal. And so I got the movie back. So, okay. That so, was 08. So I guess because, like, I don't know any of this shit, and I'm sure the people that are going to listen to have no clue. So I guess his company takes it from you. 
Yeah, they option it. The option. Sometimes you get paid for an option. Like they'll be like, uh, "Here's five thousand. We it's... want the script. We want the rights to the script to raise the money to make it. Gotcha. If we don't raise the money in X amount of time, you had the rights to your script back." Yeah. So they had a year, but it was free. Cause I'm, because I'm, you know, I'm new. Yeah. What do I? What am I saying? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's. Definitely. And I was like, "Someone's making my movie." Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "This is it. I'm gonna make it." Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I completely. I, I I couldn't even imagine what that's like. So at that point, you're thinking like, "Yeah." This is just totally going to happen. This guy yeah. made two princes and yeah. I'm <laughs> and taking Chris I'm Chris. taking conference call meetings with like five different people at uh, in the Uncle Giuseppe's parking lot in Smithtown, yeah. Yeah. covered in paint, being like, "I'm gonna fucking make it." <laughs> Uncle, wow, Uncle Giuseppe's has been there that long. Who oh, would have thought? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, all right, and then from there, he has that 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 option, yeah. and a year goes by. Yeah, and um, is it exactly a year? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 and then. So you're waiting for the call. Yeah. yeah well, we for, were in touch a lot. I we mean, back and forth a lot. But you're doing your thing, obviously. The company, doing, the company, we were doing good. the company. That was what we were focusing on. Yeah. Because I actually was, uh, I did publicity for the company. I was doing tours. I was doing warp tours. No, so you were actually working. Tour press. I was working. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm just the GM. I just do invoice taxes and payroll because we yeah. have a much bigger company now. Yeah. But back then it was just me and Dana, and I was like, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, um, all right. So then, what do they do? They call you and they tell you that they're gonna pass on it. No, they didn't pass. You know, I was in touch with them the whole time. Like we were working on different poster art. They changed the title to EMS. You know, like we we were doing stuff the whole time. It just like they didn't. They I think they dissolved. They got into a fight. The two partners. Okay. Or you know whatever. So what do you do from there? You take your movie where? Then that was it. Me and Dana said, you know what? We're making enough connections there at BPM. Because you, know, you meet a lot of people, you meet a lot of wealthy dads yeah, that yeah, want definitely. their kids in movies, et cetera, et cetera, and you meet people in powerful positions. So we just were like, let's make it ourselves. So in 2008 is when we honestly actually said, we're producing this movie, and that was it. So from 2008 is to whenever it came out is how long it took. Did you guys do – you guys did a credit funding thing? Yeah, that was just first to get the movie uh, – that was just like starting fee. I forget what do you call it. That was just for, uh, you know, to get the movie going. Get the movie going. Because to, to get casting going, you had to put down money for casting, for legal, for paperwork. You know, it's like... A lot of shit. So yeah, like so paperwork. how do you end up with fucking two legends, like Kane Hodder and Bill Mosley, man? Yeah, I... Um, Is that who you had in your the head? first... Th- yeah, I wrote it with Kane, 100%. And when I wrote it, I thought about Bill Mosley in Devil's Rejects, or even um, House of a Thousand Corpses but just trying to not make him him, you know? Because I was yeah, like, yeah. it's kind of the same kind of a guy. And I was like, oh, I just loved it so much. And I was just trying to make sure that I didn't make him too similar. But I didn't really think about casting Bill Mosley. Yeah. You know, necessarily. Not that I thought I was getting Kane either. Uh, but how do you how do you so even make that happen? We did press. Like, a couple of things happened at the same time. We did press for this movie called Blood Night by Frank Sabatella. Yeah. He's, he's like a, a Long cool, Island guy. Cool Long Island guy. Yeah. And uh, we had to go to Rock and Shock in Worcester and give autographed or get autographed posters from Bill Mosley because he had a, like a cameo in the movie. Okay. No big deal. I'm like, cool. I get to fucking go to, you know, I'm in Mass. Meet Chop Top. Yeah, I'm in Mass with seeing my family. And we just popped over to Worcester, went in, got the posters. And while we were waiting for Bill, he was talking to Michael Gingold of Fangoria, mm-hmm. who's like a legendary horror writer, you know, uh, you know reviewer or whatever you know dana pitched 
me to be interviewed by him, and he totally did, and he's been like the biggest champion of Old 37, Michael oh, really? Gingold of Fangoria. Yeah, he wrote the first piece on Old 37. So that gave us some some like uh, credibility. Absolutely. Instantly. Like you can get on IMDb with that Fangoria, with one link. Fangoria is like a Rolling Stone. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we did. We got on IMDb because you have to have a link to someone saying that your shit's real. You know, or you can't even be on there. Yeah. So I didn't quite meet Bill there, but I got that. So then another thing we did is we went to Fangoria's, whatever it's called, they had at the Javits Center. It was okay. a horror convention. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's where we met Kane, and he was, like, walking back from the bathroom. Yeah. And I was like, hey, what's going on? What's up, Kane? I'm a big fan. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks. And I'm like, hey, I wrote a movie with you. You know, I wrote a movie for you. Did with he you and sigh? Mind. No, he goes, oh, really? What's it about? And I was just like, I told him. He goes, oh, that's a really cool idea. He goes, send it to me. And he he gave me his email. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that was like. Where does he live? Upstate? Uh, he lives in Calabasas, like where the Kardashians live. California? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking of the Drake song. Yeah. 4 a.m. in Calabasas. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fill you in later. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, he was cool. And I'm like, this, you know, you just like, you. It's mostly a lot of downfalls trying to make a movie, but you just, yeah, that, the mean, way you climb up, we're talking is, like, each rung is like one positive thing, even yeah. if it's in a year. It's like no, no, completely. Boom. Like uh, the the story's so long and vast, you know, and, and I'm sure it had moments. Um, we're getting this summary, but like little by little, it's. I mean, you could have just basically given up. Yeah, and been like, uh, okay, yeah. cool idea, because everyone has a cool idea. Yeah. You know, it's like not everyone gets to make it. So. Yeah, but so many people were always like, that concept is amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so a really I'm good like, concept. Oh, yeah, do you want to give out Kane's email address? <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, and I was like, this is going to, we ha- we have to make this basically. I just hung my whole life on it. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, we had, I sent it to Kane. Kane friggin' loved it. Gave me an LOI, which is a letter of intent. You get that from actors or directors or anyone you want involved. Yeah, you hear that out there? That's, yep. some, that's some real movie shit right there. It is. LOI, what is it? LOI, a letter of intent. Okay. It says, if and when you raise the funds for this movie, I would love to play the role of... Cool, cool. Bam. And they sign it, and that's it. And then you can bring that to investors and be like, we have Kane Hodder, we have Brandy Cyrus. That's how you know we got her to sign one, too, because is she it, had some clout, you know? Was it for the... Uh, you guys get her through like the music connections? Yeah, because Dana was her publicist. Because we knew her manager at the time, and she was like, "Hey, I think I have uh, a she role wants, for you." She wants. She wanted to be an actor. She yeah. was interested in acting. Her manager told us, so we were just like, "Hey, do you want to be in Paul's movie?" She's like, "Yeah." Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it was like, That's yeah. Funny. And then we sent her a script. Said, Take Who do you that, be? Miley. Who do you want to be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she she totally dug being an angel, so it worked out awesome. All right, so then, all right, so you get that LOI. Yes, from um, The fucking ball starts rolling. Ball starts um, rolling. When do you come across Bill Mosley? Right before we shot. Oh, really? Yeah, because we went through casting, because I didn't, once you have Kane, you're like, okay, Kane's the guy. Kane's, Kane's the like, guy. he's the main guy. Even though Kane's character doesn't speak, you know, he's like, everyone loves Kane's character because he wears the mask and he's like, his yeah. classic masked murderer. Well, I mean, the self. guy, you know, if you're watching a movie like Old 37, chances are it's because you're, you know, like a horror fan. Yeah, usually it's all Kane and Bill fans. Yeah. Which is why it's so hard because they either love Old 37 or they hate it. <laughs> no one's like, oh, it's pretty good. They People love it or they, or they despise it. it. 
I was the first person to cast them together. Yeah. They were like, oh, we've never done a movie together. Oh, yeah, together. that's right. Yeah, that's, so that's even, that's very cool. Uh, we, ours wasn't the first to come out, but ours was the first where they were cast together. And it was pretty much the only one where they're cast as both killers. So they thought it was so cool. And Kane had been like, when we talked about getting Bill, because my casting agent sent over a bunch of people. And I was like, we can get Bill Mosley. She's like, as long as you pay him what you pay Kane, yeah. And I was like, what? Uh, okay. That, I mean, that, that was like dream material. So Kane and him were together at some horror convention in Denver. And Kane was like, hey, I hung out with Bill. And he's like really excited to do the movie with us. Like we're going to, we were just like talking about how cool it's going to be to be these brothers killing people. And I was just like, what? Yeah. So Amazing. You, at this point, like, you know, for but at like, that point we had the money pretty much in the bank and like ready to roll. And that's huge because yeah. like at this point, like here you are, like, I mean, all of us are like fans of these two guys. Um, and you're thinking like, I mean, you're on top of the world. You're like, <laughs> yo, pretty friigging awesome. I mean, yeah. who did you tell you? You're like, yeah. oh yeah, no, it's, uh, it's amazing. I got Bill and fucking Kane and to do this Kane. movie. Yeah. Or, or do you it's do a like, horror fans dream? I mean, yeah. I mean, do you start time. telling people or do you yeah. just like... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I tell people that I'm friends with and that I hang yeah. out with. Yeah. For sure. Cool, cool. Yeah. So uh, so everything starts fucking rolling. Yeah. Once we had Kane, you know, and then we kind of got Brandy along the way. And it was mostly just the game of raising money and getting money to stick. It's because it's hard. A lot of people how are does, like, How do money. you even do that? Just like I said, because we have big picture, we do have access to a lot of different people that have money and we go to different events and you just meet people and Stephen Pierre did come through with a shit ton of money in the long run, you know? What was the budget for it? Um we shot on about seven thirty. Wow. But we went over budget and we had to like raise a little bit more and then we shot B unit on like fifteen grand. You know, like the the, the stuff that I directed myself because we already parted ways with our director. So, uh, yeah, and then we got someone to just do post for us in kind. Like, they did post for us, and then they got, like, first position on the money that came back. All right, so you, right before you start shooting, like, what are you looking at? Like, uh, so you and this guy write this the story, right? Mm -hmm. And then he, like, makes it more script, like like you said. What's his oh, name? Oh, that was, in, that was like, that one, we had one year okay. of writing sessions, and then that, that was and it. And then that's and it. And then everything else I have to, everything we did then, pretty much I had to rewrite again after, throughout the years. Yeah. Because there's been, like, 90 drafts of Old 37, you know? Because everyone has something to say. Everyone has, like, oh, this would be cooler, that would be cooler, this is too long. And then when you finally get your director on board, he has a few ideas, but he didn't really have much to change at all. Just maybe I, something a director would say that this scene would be better with this. You know, things like that. And then you get to the point where you're with your, your assistant director who breaks down the budget and the schedule, and then shit gets real. Then <laughs> it's it like, gets real. Then and, it's like, we can't do all of this. So then yeah. you have to go through with a friggin' chainsaw. And, and then that's what happens. You have to be like, what's the story? And then how many kills can we do? <laughs> and that's the balance, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, I know a lot of a lot of people maybe want more murder, you know, but some people do like a story, so we had to balance it. I think it had a really good balance of both. Yeah, thanks. Um, definitely support me huh? yeah no, <laughs> i think it had a really good balance of both i i think the first opening scene was strong because it just kind of like set the tone and it seemed like ultra violent which mm -hmm. i love with the dad yeah 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 like he seemed like a, that's why we opened with it yeah it wasn't the opening in the script oh yeah yeah 
that's the thing when you edit that's like rewriting the entire script for the, the third thing. time yeah um and then from there then like the story unravels mm-hmm. but in between the story you do get like you know for for the bloodthirsty people yeah. like myself yeah you know you do get those kills i would have liked to have front loaded a little more there was you know in the script there was a lot more development with the murderers with yeah. Kane and bill and then you just don't get to shoot everything you want to shoot but you what to tell a cohesive story you have to shoot the fucking kids doing their shit because the story ultimately is about this teenage girl so you have to you can't just shoot like oh like you have to everything has to make sense and you shoot so much and it has to all make sense and then you can kill them yeah <laughs> yeah but like you exactly you, you need to, you need to like set it up you, you need to, to get the you need to get the um like the audience um um invested in them invested in them you know yeah. because if, if you don't care like um I'll, I'll use final destination mm-hmm. like the first two movies were really good because i yeah. thought the characters were likable for sure um and it was just i don't know the, the, like when, once you like the characters um you don't want to see them die and you care as right. to what happens next mm. but then for the following you know three through whatever it was like they're just being like clever. i'm just watching the <laughs> clever movie. murder yeah. yeah i'm like you know what <laughs> I, I just want it like it's like gonzo porn i'm like you movies. just cut that shit out i just want to see them fucking now yeah <laughs> so um so the night before the fucking first day of shooting what are Ooh. you fucking thinking yeah let's see where were we so I mean, you're thinking like the night holy bef- shit. So well, what happened was the first day of pre-production, which is really when you're getting things going, you're meeting the actors, they're coming in for fittings, and you're like scheduling everything, and you're like, Brandy's flight this, and Kane's flight that, and you know all that shit. That the first day of that happened on Hurricane Sandy, <laughs> so that like wow, yeah, that annihilated us. The whole city was closed down, no electricity. Yeah, you know that was the whole thing. Holy shit! And then Long Island. What are the chances? No rental cars, no hotels, because every electric company in every, like, you know, town worker had to come to Long Island and fix everything because there yeah. was no power out here either, no gas. So that totally screwed us. <clears throat> but we got through it. Everyone, like, fucking, like, our, our AD, who's really, like, the boss, you know, the AD is, like, the commander-in-chief, if you ask me. He, like, tells the director Assistant what's up. Assistant director. Yeah, he tells the director what's up. He, like, calls action and cut and friggin' does the scheduling and he's he was great his name was yori and uh i mean he rode his bike from sheepshead bay all the way to dewart studio on like 55th street wow yeah like he was fucking calves on that guy must be crazy it was so we got through all that and you know we were in pre-production and we still didn't have all the money in the bank and you're not really allowed to take use any of the investors money until you have all of the money. All the money. Because otherwise, people would just start movies and they would never get finished. Never, yeah. And and and, uh, and we were. What what goes into pre production? Um, wardrobe. The wardrobe people okay. start buying wardrobe. Art director starts building stuff. You know, sets and and buying all the what props. What kind of sets were you guys building? The killer's house okay. was just an old ramshackle marina in Spionk. It was just buildings that all behind the marina, and we turned those into their house the killer's house so that's pretty much it but they had to build a a house an apartment inside there you know yeah so they do that and they put together you know the special effects is making all the fake 
hammers and fake and Kane's face and his mask and all the blood and making gallons of blood. You know, yeah. all that stuff is pre-production. Cool, I cool. think we had like three weeks. Um, so the so, night before. Yeah, the night before. I have no idea because <laughs> let me think. <laughs> what did we do? <laughs> we had an easy day. We shot at some I mean, middle school. Your in... fucking dream. <laughs> like you had a dream. <laughs> yeah. And like from from your dream to like the yeah. day of shooting, how long was that? The, um, oh five to when did we shoot? Two thousand and twelve. Wow. Yeah. It how, took how long is that? Seven, seven years, years, I think. Yeah. That's Which they bad. say the average is like seven or eight from script to screen. There you go. We didn't get to screen exactly at that time, and because we ran out of money, we technically could have been to screen in probably two thousand thirteen, early fourteen, if we had done everything like yeah. right, like right out of the gate, but. Was your mom telling everyone that you're a film director? Yeah. Well, I didn't direct it, but she, everyone is <laughs> no, like, but I'm saying, they're like listen, so cool. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure your mom. <laughs> oh, my son Paul's in this movie. He's acting. He's yeah, uh, yeah. hanging say out. all the wrong stuff. Yeah, completely. Yeah. That, my grandmother would say that. Yeah. So. Um, so the night before, you're just like stressed out, basically. We had all these houses we rented in Hampton Bays for everyone to stay in. So you're kind of dealing with that. Make sure the actors are comfortable and everyone's in there. Yeah. So the anxiety level has to go to the roof. Yeah. Because you're you're basically sitting there. It's like everyone's there because of you. Yeah. And it's like and all you, these people put their money into the movie. And do you feel <laughs> secure in the script that you're about to execute? Yeah. At that point, I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is good. This will be fine. So then you start shooting. Yeah. Um. How long did the shoot take? Um. It was scheduled with 26 days. We shot 24. Or we were scheduled 24 and we shot 22. I can't remember. That's crazy. Yeah, because we ran out of money. So we had to cut two days off. And so you, so that means if you, if you had to cut days off, so you had to cut scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were trimming scenes while we were shooting because we knew we were over budget like a couple weeks in. We were like, holy shit, this money goes fast. Dude, in, in one week we spent like 300 grand. It's like, you know what that, That's, I mean, can you even comprehend that? No, no, I can't. Really. And we did it, and it's just like, holy shit, guys. Who was the, the, the seasoned vet? Everyone that we had was a seasoned vet. Yeah. Really just the producers, which it was me, Dana, uh, Carrie Alton, and uh, Evan Greenhill, who yeah. we had just met at these events. And Carrie had worked with Evan, but I met Carrie at an event. So it's like, oh, I want to work on that. And then she came on board, and then she uh, knew Evan, and Evan's like, yeah, I love that. I, I would love to make this movie. And uh, he had access to funds. So we're like, cool, we're the producing unit. So we were all new. What a strange game. (laughs) Yeah. What a strange game. I have access to funds. Yeah, if you do, you know, you can get a producer credit for sure. But he he worked. I mean, we we worked equally. Like, I worked mostly on the creative. There was office work. There's dealing with the money. There's dealing with everything. And we all had to do everything. You know, we all did script meetings and and we we all uh, hustled. And um, how many days did uh, Kane and uh, Bill shoot? I don't. I think we had Kane for three weeks because Kane was also stunt coordinator. Okay. So we had him there, and he had like a he gets extra extra he, loot for that. He does, yeah. yeah. And he also had um a, like a convention in Germany in the middle of the shoot that he had to go to. So we didn't have him for a week in the middle. We used a stunt double for a couple of scenes for him, which is like his best friend. Yeah. Who's like oh, been really? Working for him. yeah, he was on set the whole time too. So he just comes with him. Yeah, sometimes. We 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 hired him. That's okay. Because you want Kane to be happy. Yeah. And and there was a lot of driving stunts. He's like, I'm not really going to be comfortable driving with some random like guy who might not be like what I want, you know? Because driving next to each other like that with the girl in the middle, yeah, like, they had to really do that. Yeah. Even though the girl was secure to one car, you know, one of them would drive 
looking straight ahead and the other one only stared at the other car and didn't even look at the road to like keep the cars at the perfect lane. You know, it was a lot of crazy driving. So. Was that the most nerve wracking scene? And that was Rick. His name was Rick. Was that the most nerve wracking? That was the most, uh, yeah, that, yeah, for sure. And we had like gigantic, uh, crane truck with the camera on it follow, you know, it was so cool. Do you have like paramedics just down. in case? Yeah, there's a paramedic on set all for That's every movie. Fucking wild. Yeah. So like, because if anything goes wrong, yeah. And when, when you said that Kane's like the stunt coordinator, yep. is is that something that he offers, or do you? Yeah, just, yeah. He that's what he, that's what he is. That's He's it. a stunt man. Yeah, and he just became this masked murdering master, and yeah, that's it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He really likes to do movies where he has dialogue. Which he had, but like I just didn't write it that way. Yeah. So, uh, so what what was the last day of shooting like? Oh, it was sickeningly sad. Really? Yeah, because I had to be like, "Sorry, everyone, we have to cut two days short." And Kane was like, "Dude, I respect you for doing that. I know it sucks, but a lot of people would just keep shooting and then not pay everyone." Oh, and I was really? like, "Well, I'm not a dick." Yeah, you've been like, "Listen, you know, they, maybe, we, maybe my third or fourth movie, yeah, I'll, I'll have the wherewithal." One, yeah, <laughs> you're like, we, "Wait, you could do that?" Yeah. <laughs> ah, shit. So we we owed some people money for like a few weeks, and we owed some of the friggin' vendors money for like a few months, six months, while we raised money. But yeah. I started raising money instantly, like instantly went into it, like pitching everyone. I got a trailer. My director cut a trailer of all the footage we had so I could just like, not a trailer, but like a sizzle of what we had so I could send that around to people that I knew and be like, do you want to invest in this movie so we can finish it? So I put now, that together. What was the, I know that. But it the, took a year to get that. I know you had a, an issue with uh, the director. Yeah, big, big issue. <laughs> big one because he took his fucking name Yeah, off. it's no, it's Alan Smithy. Yeah. So. I love Alan Smithy though. Now, the name Alan Smithy. Yeah, yeah it is. It's, no, it's, I don't love you don't like the no. other guy. So w- what was the main conflict, though? Um, I guess basically everything was fine. He was a friend of mine. He directed some of my friend's videos. Yeah, that's right. right? Yeah, well, everyone kind of knows him, and, yep. and it was all all good. And that's why I chose him. I was like, oh, we're friends. This is going to be cool. I'm not going to have to you – know, I won't direct, but I'm going to be like did in the mix. Up, did it fuck up the relationship? Yeah, I've never seen heard from him ever again. Wow. So it was basically uh, – Every, as soon as we got into pre-production, he just went a little, yeah, he just turned into a little bit of a, a, I don't know if narcissist, but just like, he just kind of got a little bit of an ego, and the and he wasn't respecting the other two producers, and just didn't really, uh, wasn't how we we liked things to go. Didn't, did he? And he was very, like, particular about certain things, and instead of really focusing on the horror, he would spend, like, hours arguing with wardrobe about which high heels the girls were wearing and i'm like i don't want the girls wearing high heels they're yeah. small town girls why, why do you think why do you think that is like did he not read the script or? he did he just wanted to make it elevated he wanted to elevated horror and in a genre and you know he just wanted to elevate the genre and it's like i get that but old 37 isn't an elevated genre script yeah you could <laughs> you could you, elevate it you know like i don't know on the third or fourth movie yeah i mean yeah we're just not that kind of movie he just spent a lot of time worrying about the kids and the wardrobe and the drama of of the kids parts of the movie which is fine but then like not didn't get enough close-ups of like the crucified mother on the axle on a cherry picker in the middle of the junkyard. It's fucking the coolest shot in the movie. And it's just like dark and you can't even see it. Yeah. Why? It makes no sense. 
So shit like that would aggravate us a lot. But when you're on a set, you're terrified, especially in the beginning, because you're like, I have all these people's money on my shoulders. I have 70 plus people hired right now to make this thing happen. Everything's going and you have to let the director do his thing. Do his thing. You figure there, there has to be a compromise. You can't undermine him, yeah. Yeah, so, so you're sitting there. It's like, all right, you know what? Maybe he knows what he's doing. Let, yeah. Let's just take it from there. Mm-hmm. Um, at any point <laughs> in the making of the movie, you know, towards the end, I guess, the last few days, did you feel like um, that maybe, you know, you would have been better off directing <laughs> Not during the directing of the movie, no. Not during like any of the production, but do you do you, did you feel like your story was getting lost? I thought no, I didn't. I didn't know if it was because it was. It's hard to tell because we didn't have dailies because that cost money, so we didn't really know what we had until uh, until like the you, big edit. Yeah, until you're like going into it. Um. So when when did the when did the director leave? Like, so we ran out of money. Everything was fine. We had a nice hug. See you later. Then we stayed in contact because it was Christmas. And then I'm like trying to raise money. And he's like, we need more money for music. We need at least 50 grand for music licensing. I'm like, that's not even a fucking thing. Shut up. Like we just fucking spent $730,000 on a movie that's not done. Yeah. You know how much it costs to do post? It costs $100,000. And I'm sure like indie guys, yeah, you can do it for less if you have buddies and you're good at it and you have the stuff. But I didn't. So like, you know, to finish a movie where it can be theatrical, it costs a lot of fucking money. And you're telling me about music rights when I knew that I was getting all our clients to give us music anyway. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean. So like like, shit like that pissed me off. Like, hey, focus. Yeah. Dummy. And uh, so then I got the got the people to come in to do the post and they were like, well, we'd rather use our editor here in LA so we can keep tabs on everything. Gotcha. And I was like, that's fine. And he was supposed to be the editor. And I told him that he wasn't going to be the editor in a nice email. And then I never heard from him ever again. Ever again. Just only his lawyers, which is like such a fucking lame fucking thing to do. Like what are, we're not moguls. No. Just talk regular. We're allegedly old hardcore buddies. Yeah. So I thought it was stupid and he just was annoying and he made us renegotiate his contract because it wasn't signed and it was like he added the Alan Smithy clause in there and we were like, that is the most pretentious film school fucking shit thing I've ever heard of in my life but sure. And And he had, so he had the right to take his name off it if he didn't like it. So Alan Smithy uh, now is the director of Old 37. Yeah, he directs like tons of movies (laughs) (laughs) so uh all right we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna talk about um basically what happened with the movie and where it went and all that other shit you know the netflixes and all the options chiller channel so all right we'll be back hey all right we're back um we never left we never left we're gonna talk we're gonna continue to talk to paul travers of uh, old thirty seven grudge holder oh, and grudge holder big picture media. <laughs> um, so the movie wraps up, and uh, what's the game plan? Like? Game plan is raise money to finish the movie. We ask our current investors, "Do you have any more money? Can we get like five grand?" What do you mean grand? finish? Like what for post? To finish the scenes that we had to shoot. 
Oh, so the two days that you cut out, you needed to raise more. I still needed to shoot them, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because, I mean, hey, where did those two characters go? Ah, Hey, why is this character dead That's crazy. You know, like crazy shit. And uh, so, yeah, we raised, I got the investors to give us each like five or ten grand more. Because if you're given a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars, five grand isn't really that much. Yeah, of to course. To finish the movie, uh, so I did that, and then uh, because we were at odds with the director, and he that was it from him, <clears throat> I took over directing. Alan Smithy, the one and only incomparable <laughs> Alan Smithy. Shout out to him. Shout out to Alan. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we, me and the producing partners, we. We just put it together like it was a mini movie, like it was a short. We had like 15 grand. We rented the red camera and the same kind of lenses that we shot the movie on. Yeah. And uh, we went behind Joe Rubino's uh, haircutting fucking place. Two Kings. Two Kings in Smithtown. And we just like shot scenes in cars behind his shop. And we shot scenes out on the road that we shot in originally. Oh, yeah. Okay. For driving. I'm, you know, I'm, for driving I'm remembering scenes. the movie yeah we had a lot of driving scenes and so uh i directed i took over directing so i directed all those scenes i directed was it like an easy thing to do i mean at the direct yeah at this point yeah at this point you saw you know alan yeah alan was (laughs) a whiz you saw (laughs) with his big bullhorn and his wide pants (laughs) you see alan do his thing so um i guess at, at that point it's just you know you're just doing what he did all the director does is make every single decision. So as long as you know every single answer, you're a director. Okay. Because he didn't... Directors don't even have to call action or cut because, like, the AD could do that. Or, you know, there's a lot of things. You're just like, I want this wardrobe, but the wardrobe says, here's what you have, A, B, or C, you pick, and you don't mess around. You're just confident, and you know what you want, and you talk to the actors, and you tell them what headspace to be in and stuff like that. Um, so at this point now, your your baby is in your hands. Because I wrote it, I knew. Yeah, I your knew baby's in your hands. <laughs> exactly. So it's and, cool. and it's got to be weird, like right? Because you're making this movie, like you said, a movie. Like unless you have the the the, the dailies, you're kind of just throwing shit into a pile. Yeah. And <laughs> you're like, oh, I hope yeah, everything. Shit, you know, so, yeah. you never know how it's gonna. Yeah. Once you start piecing shit together, you're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, this is interesting. Especially sound. You don't think about sound, but it's a separate thing. They record it separately, you yeah. know, digitally. And you're like, sound on indie movies sometimes sucks and it throws off everything because you can't watch a movie if the sound is weird and it's echoey or you can't hear anything. So we so, were lucky. Our sound was awesome. How does the sound work then? So like you're Someone ma- just records it separately. That's what the clapper is oh, for. That sound when yeah. they do the clapper action. You know, not action, but with the clapper with the numbers and the yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah. So you match the sound to the video. Click, like, the whole thing. And what picks up the 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 voice? The mics. So every actor the has boom. a, a oh, laugh mic. Like, yeah, you know, under their shirt, and then you have the boom. The boom. Yeah. So. And then you just mix it all together. Mix it all together. You just have to sync it first, and then you start cutting. What was like the most uh, revealing thing that you saw while making a movie that you're like, oh shit! Like I never knew like this is how it went. Anything? Definitely, I'm sure, but like. Because I just found out about, like, I didn't know that you were talking about the the actual voices are being recorded separately. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I guess okay. I just never thought about it. Of I course, just you don't. You just think, oh, it's a movie tape. Everything's the same. <laughs> but it is, you know, it's two yeah. separate things. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of things I didn't know. I'm trying to think of what I didn't know before. It's hard to forget what you didn't know. 
that makes any sense. Uh, it's all right. But well, just just how everything works, how all the shots work, how the dollies work. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got to be cool. Like, I just just to actually just to see it all done. It was um, crazy to start seeing the assembly when the editor starts putting it all together, and I'm yeah. like. That's a scene in a movie. That's a That's scene in cool, a movie. Yeah. yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So and then uh, once you get that all together, it's like, oh, we have, you have a lot of missing connective tissue. Like, how did he get from there to there? So you kind of have to shoot that. So while I was in LA, I took my 7D camera, which is just like a crappy DSLR, and I just shot all these little scenes with the actors that I had. Oh, cool. In California to do that. All right, so then the movie gets done. You get the the yeah. the money from the investors. Yep. And then from there, you're you're left with this movie. And how do you? Well, what's the game plan? Because at this point, it's in your wheelhouse. You're you guys are our PR company. So yeah, yeah. No, basically, this it's, is where you guys really step it up and put it in. You get a sale. You get a sales agent. Yeah. And they're the people that. Sell what did Dana movie. charge you? <clears throat> no, yeah, no. They just yeah. We just did PR, but. The sales agent has to sell your movie. Yeah. That's why a lot of movies don't go anywhere, and you just have to self-distribute, which is fine, but... Where do you sell to? Like, I mean, just like convention? To distributors. Oh, distributors, okay. So they have things called, like, AFM, which is in November in, like, Santa Monica, and that's an American film market. Yeah. Places like Cannes, Cannes, whatever the fuck it is, that is also a, a film market. Berlin has one, and it's where people show movies, and then people buy them. Same with Sundance, really. Film festivals aren't just to show films, it's to sell them. Yeah, so you go there, you play your movie, and then yeah. some like rich dude and... and, and or a distributor. Distributors we'll just, like, oh, you know what, this would be great. We need great three horror movies. I picked yours, yours, and yours. Yeah. You know, it's weird. What a, what a fucking... But AFM isn't a film festival, it's just, it's just a market. It's a film market, so people from every corner of the world are there. Just Japan's there, China, ever, all the different countries are there buying movies rights yeah. to movies what a so scene we yeah so we got a sales rep an amazing sales rep because my the executive producer kyle who came in and did all the post and took us from nothing to uh being complete he had a friend in the sales rep so uh kevin iwashina at preferred content and he uh represented our movie we put together a, um, a screening in beverly hills because that's where our office was at the time and we just, they invited like 40 or 50 distributors. They all, you know, probably like 30 came. We all watched the movie in a theater. And then they just did follow-ups and who wanted to represent the movie. Then through that, we also got a foreign distributor. And they sell foreign rights, you know, like, so the foreign distributor. Yeah, there's the like. foreign sales rep sells to all the foreign markets. The domestic distribution goes to an American <laughs> film company usually. So we got picked up by Epic Pictures who okay. did Tales of Halloween and Turbo Kid what, and, what, what, and Giant uh, Big what, Ass Spider. What did you think of those movies? I think Big Ass Spider's awesome. Isn't that good? Turbo Kid is cool. I think Turbo Kid's amazing. Yeah. You know that guy? And Tales of Halloween only saw the opening like movie. It's, I didn't love it. Yeah. But the guy who did Turbo Kid is actually doing a, a retro 80s slasher movie. Oh, next. really? Yeah, that should probably be awesome. Yep. There were three directors on that movie. On Turbo? Yeah, it's a brother and a sister and like a friend. Interesting. And they are so sweet and very super nice and very so cool. You were in good hands. Uh, Epic Pictures did us right because they got us in Walmart. They got us on Amazon Prime. They got us on all the platforms. So we had good distribution. 
and we did the PR at Big Picture, so we were in all the horror magazines and some non-horror magazines. We had a piece on Insider. Where where was uh when did you first watch the the, the movie after it was done? Well, I watched it a million times through editing. Yeah, because I took over directing. I had to I sit with the editor while he's editing, and we go through scenes, and he would send me a cut, and I would give him notes, and <clears throat> and then we. So I watched it. I probably seen old thirty seven five hundred times. <laughs> like I've <laughs> no when when you ask him to do an edit like a week later, do you yeah. like change your mind? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I'm watching. I'm like, why the fuck did we do that? You know, like yeah, there's certain decisions you can't take back. But no, of course. And and um... so yeah, you see that. And then but when we did post at Siren Studios on Sunset in uh, in L A, it was on a full size theater screen in this gigantic system with knobs and buttons and twists and they're coloring the movie and making it look really rich and awesome and the color, you know, make it look really great. So I got to see it on a theatrical screen for like probably two months while I was in LA while they were doing that, which was friggin' amazing. Yeah. The picture looks great. Yeah. The picture um, looks good. The songs, like there's tons of songs. I might've picked too many songs if I, if I have to say what maybe I might've changed because we had we're using a lot of clients music i felt obligated yeah not that anyone was like no but you wanted to using it but i just wanted to yeah, you I wanted had them to. and i was like this is cool you know but maybe next time i would probably use a few less songs there's a lot of music there's a ton it. of music and it's kind of like a music video in a way because <laughs> we edited to some of the music some of the, like the the, the pacing of it the pacing of the movie you know but even like the party scenes definitely like when the kids are hanging yeah Definitely. Um, so that that's that's something different you would do. Yeah. So um, what about Netflix? How does that work? I don't know. We so we haven't been on Netflix yet, and I don't know if we ever will. Only because it works the same as everything. Um, same as I, getting on iTunes, PlayStation, Google Play, Amazon. All those that just you just pitch it out, and they're like, yeah, we'll we'll give you the X amount of money. We'll give you twenty grand, forty grand blah 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 same with chiller you know they pay you yeah how'd you do the chiller <clears throat> same same thing our epic pictures just pitches them and so the powers that be just yeah they pitch and then if you, they want it they're like yeah we'll take this yeah i can't believe chiller took it it's like the coolest thing it's yeah, on every chiller. single month yeah. for two years it's on twice a month every month for two years i feel like every time i go by chiller it's a, that an atm atm's and on i just watched it on the plane <laughs> only half of it but and I actually skipped ahead in the uh, guide on the plane to see if Old 37 was playing because I normally check every month and then kind of like uh, put out like a – When I spoke to I you – I Instagram about it or whatever. I spoke to you last night. When, when when I spoke to you, yeah, it was like maybe like seven, eight, or nine. I was watching it. I just ins- didn't tell you about it. That's so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't think you needed uh, to hear it for the hundredth time. I'm so mad oh, by the I way. missed it because <laughs> I like to Instagram about it and I like to tag Chiller so they know that we're like caring and we, we do stuff. Yeah, and then hopefully down the road they'll distribute more of my stuff. Now, what about conventions and stuff? For- we did it. That was how we did our premiere, Horror Hound, yes. which is a huge, huge horror convention. Like I didn't even know we were like Horror is that Hound. Like Yonkers? No, no, it's in. Um, or is that Ohio? It was Cincinnati, Ohio. That's what it was. And they have one in Indianapolis too yeah. in September, but this the March one is the big one. And we were like. I, we never heard of it, and we were just like, oh, I don't know. We'll just keep him on the back burner. No big deal. And then, she, you know, we just kept waiting and waiting and trying. We thought we were getting into self-buy, and we were, like, 
we had a guy on the inside there and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's down to the wire between, you know, a bunch of movies and we didn't ultimately get in. <clears throat> and I was like, Horror Hound sounds like it's going to be awesome because this guy um, is so cool. And what the fuck is his name? He's my favorite guy. Was it an actor or something? No, no, he runs it. He just runs Horror Hound? Yeah. Anyway, he is so cool and he... uh he, he was going to give us a home. Like, he was like, I'm going to treat you guys good. Yeah. And I was like, God, oh, this is so cool. And uh, so we, we did our premiere there, and it was like packed. 500 people. I think Kane was there. So we were like, cool, Kane will be there. I think Bill was supposed to be there, and then he something happened. He wasn't there. So that was the, the only bummer. We did it. It was 500 people in there. They, like, never had a movie that packed. It was really cool. Uh, you now know, you're, you're sitting there watching it with like 500 people. 500 people for the first time. It was you, the first time anyone's fucking, ever seen it. Like that's it like listening sickening. to your album yep. with other people, and yeah. you're just like, mm, yeah, like listening parties they have. I with. hope they like this, <laughs> you know, because like yep. you start getting that like a uh, total, um, you know, you want everyone to like it, man, and and I'm sure you're just like looking around and uh, seeing the reactions, and and it's it's pretty gory and violent enough, like the um, the saw to the neck. Yeah, that was the shit. And yeah. you know, you know what like other part I did? We did that scene. Like that was the scene that I directed. <laughs> I was like, we need more fucking murder and yeah. gore in this movie because that's like the main thing. Yeah, that's the only active murdering in the movie, really, that you can like. That was see. a good one. Yeah. That was a really good one. We just made that up. Like, um, God damn it. And the other one that I really, the other scene, which was gross, and it's weird to think gross, um, the girl who got lit on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like, awesome. her skin looked gross. She, like she looked like a, a burnt Elio's pizza. Fucking four hours of makeup. Yeah. Brian Spears, he does, like, Steakland, and he does. Steakland was great. Yeah, did he, he do did, that? Yeah, he does everything. Late phases, like he does so much in the Late phases too. He's badass. How'd you score that? Fangor Michael Gingle from Fangoria goes. If you need a special effects guy, this guy Brian's really great. Yeah, and I was like, cool, I'll use him. And I met him, and he was like, had long hair, and he was like, kind of like you know, he was like a uh, metalheadish, kind of like reserved and kind of like. I was like, this That's is what my Greg guy. Nicotero was. This is my guy. I love this guy. Yeah. And so I liked him right away, and we took him. So cool. And he I like ass. I lo- like nothing beats practical effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for sure. nothing. We um, use very minimal digital, only where like we needed to fill it in. And I don't even think eh, it doesn't really even stand out the digital. Yeah, you know the 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 really good just, gore. Just the blood shooting out of the. Um, oh yeah, the the, the grinder. The grinder. Yeah. Because yeah. like I said, no one focused on the fucking horror. Yeah. We didn't have the wood chip until like a minute before we shot. They were like, oh, we're going to use this. They had a gurney with a skill saw attached to it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is supposed to be a fucking huge 20,000 horsepower fucking wood chipper. Yeah. It's going to chop up a person. <laughs> and you're giving me fucking miter cuts across yeah. a fucking thing. No. I was so mad. They ran out and got a wood chipper on Craigslist. And it was so small. You know, that's the thing with indie movies. Like, But if you had a director that was all along saying... We need this epic murder shot, and like we need them to step out and fucking pan up from their boot. Like <laughs> a horror director would have known yeah. how to make Old Thirty Seven that much better, you know. Instead yeah. of like focusing on the fucking dress that the girl was wearing, or the 
high heels. Listen, you who wears high in- heels to go drive around in cars? Uh, uh, people who want to get into car accidents. Who's, whose side are you on? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, I don't know what my point was, but no, there's a point there somewhere. No, but what we're talking about. We're Brian talking Spears, about the effects. Yeah, practical effects. Yeah. Um, I think it's just because we're like '80s kids. Totally. There's some movies. Did you watch The Void yet? The what? The Void. No, from like a few years ago. No, it came out this year. It's like oh, no. it's my favorite horror movie. Really, twenty seventeen. No, I'll check. It Holy out. shit! Um, it's like uh, we discussed it uh, the last episode, not two episodes ago. It's it's a perfect combination of Hellraiser Ooh, meets nice. The Thing. Amazing. Meets Assault on Precinct Thirteen. And like, <laughs> really nice. And like Halloween too. Wow. And it just came out like it's and the practical effects on it. Oh yeah, are amazing. Like That's really cool. like amazing like you, you the void you just have to watch it i also just wanted to say that jason hignight was is the guy that hooked us up with horror hound he runs horror hound okay i just wanted to throw that in there because okay. i couldn't remember his name before okay. listen i'm, I'm he, he's definitely listening oh yeah. he's listening he's a big fan yeah when i when i <laughs> post it maybe he'll listen but um okay, jason so and we won best feature there by the way i just want to put that out there yeah that's great and and does that help like um helps nothing no no yeah, well, we won Comic Con too in Montreal. So I mean, these these things all help. And then, like you said, you're in fucking Walmart. I saw the yeah. DVD. Yeah, it's cool. Like that's awesome. Yeah, because no, at this point, like, cool how shit. do you even get a movie out? Like, it's so these these avenues are so hard to. Yep. Like you, di- you could see a fucking movie on a phone. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like it it's just hard. I mean, our distributor didn't. They were awesome, but they they were like. We'll pitch it to Walmart, but they're probably not going to take it. We'll pitch it to XYZ. You're probably not going to get it. We got everything. Yeah. And they didn't, they still haven't pitched Netflix. And we, we have asked them a couple of times, but I don't know. Netflix is different now than even it was two years ago. Like Netflix is a completely changed company than it was two years ago. So it's not like, and I think they're like at major odds with Amazon Prime, which we're on. So I don't think they would even take us. Okay. Yeah. That, that is, that is competition, but yeah. I remember um, they would have some really gross, grimy shit on Netflix like years ago. Yeah. Um, I remember watching this dude's movie. I think his name is Ryan Nicholson or something. He made a movie called One. He made a movie called Gutterballs, which was unbelievably violent. Yeah. And then there, there was a movie on Netflix called Hanger, which might be the most disgusting movie I've ever seen. <laughs> really? Like. To give you some insight on it, I, I was coming home. I was living with uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, and she was watching it at like th- 3 in the morning. I was coming nice. home from a show. Nice. And I'm sitting there eating my French toast like a fat fuck at <laughs> 3 in the morning. <laughs> Early breakfast. <laughs> yeah. I look at the screen, and there's a hanger going into a v- prosthetic vagina. Nice. And it yanks out a baby. Of course. Because yeah. <laughs> the name of the movie is called Hanger because yeah. the killer um, is an aborted, I guess like, I don't know, like a aborted fetus or something. Really? He, yeah. he was? Yeah. Nice. Yo, it's outrageous. That's so funny. It's fucking gross. And this was on Netflix and I, I showed it to everyone. Um, Did it have anything to do with the, one of the guys from Life of Agony? No. I met a guy in, at one of those events so. I was telling you about. Yeah. And he was, I forget what he did, but he was doing a movie with one of the dudes from Life of Agony, and it had Hanger in the title, and he was a killer. Uh, you know, I mean, it could be. I have no idea. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. 
I know Life of Agony just played Mulcahy's. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, with VOD. Shit. What? Yo, for real. That must have been awesome. Wow, listen, that show would have been great. Like, I, that would have five. Yeah. <laughs> in 1994, ruled. I would have punched my mom to go see yeah, that movie. I, know. <laughs> I would have gave myself a hanger abortion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the people that went to it said it was fucking great. So. Yeah, that's badass. To finish up here with Old 37, like, yeah. this fucking dream that you had <laughs> seven years later, you made a movie. Um, yeah. not many people could do that. That's, that's, I think that's a great story. Thanks. Is there any like plan to do a second movie? No. Or do, well, are you planning on dreaming anytime <laughs> the soon? The other day on Instagram, I was looking at our hashtag old yeah. 37 and I saw there was just a ton of people that we hadn't responded to in a while. And someone asked if we were making a sequel and I just wrote, we're working on it. And then they like, insta- they f- screenshotted it. This is the best news I've ever heard. Oh, that's and I was funny. like, cool. I was totally lying. Yeah. But I wasn't. I mean, I think of ideas and Kane has ideas and, you know, there's ideas. There's Are ideas. You- we talked a lot about it during like the run of, you know, all the different conventions we did that Kane was at. We'd always talk about the sequel. Is he cool? Kane's awesome. Kane's awesome. He's right? amazing. He's like the f- he's a funny, pervy, good old fashioned, old, good time guy. Guy likes titties like, like the rest of us. Yeah, he's like tells <laughs> dirty jokes and you just hang outside. Like you know, it was cold. I was winter. We would everyone outside. He'd be outside hanging out. You know. Yeah, he's cool. Does he tell uh, cool like Friday the Thirteenth stories? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I he didn't. I don't think he told me any, but he he tells stories. Yeah, he's he's a storyteller. Got to get you on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Mr. Kane Hodder, I'll I know you're listening. It. I'll work on it. <laughs> drive right over to. Uh... Oh, if you can drive to him, I could. Yeah. I could definitely make it happen. <laughs> but you know, you just wait for him to come to a convention. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one coming up here, like on Long Island, like Garden there? City. I don't. Know, I gotta look. Like I fucking mm. saw Helen Slater. I think from nice fucking yeah Supergirl and like. But more Legend importantly, of, Legend, Legend of Billie Jean. Jean. Oh yeah. Fair is fair. It's one of my favorite movies. I tried showing it to my girlfriend the other day. Well, I, I listen, I was watching it and she just was not having it. Why? She, she, I don't know. Uh I think it's, it's just, literally one of my favorites. And I'm writing this other movie about these chick skaters, and it's kinda like gonna have that vibe. Okay, so you're still writing stuff. Yeah, I'm like about to direct a short soon. Okay. That's going to be a feature after that. My line producer, Ken from Old Thirty Seven, works for this other company. With Frank, Mo- this guy Frank Mosca, who actually produced Blood Knight with Frank Sabatella. Okay. And they like one of my ideas that I pitched them like two years ago, and I've just been working on. It's called Elephant in the Room, and it's about a morbidly obese, immobile man just in his New York City apartment, can't get out, hasn't left in years, and he's haunted by this poltergeist. But he's also trying to lose weight, and he's in- obsessed with his nurse, and uh, you know he might he's taking all these internet drugs. To lose weight to get the bypass surgery, so he's kind of like crazy, or is it a ghost? You kind of don't know. Okay. All this crazy shit happens with the nurse. So I don't want to give it away, but it's pretty fucking. They like that idea and what that guy that guy wants to. So I wrote the short, and we're just going through some notes, and we'll be. I'll shoot a short, and I'll be the director, and then they want to. Then I'll write a script, a feature script, and then they'll pitch it to try to get money to make it. What what were you talking about with the, the other thing, the girls? Skate girls, kind of like uh, I want to kind of call it like uh, riot girls, you know. But I don't want to appropriate feminism too much. Yeah. But that's kind of what I'm thinking of calling it. It was originally going to be a, a witch movie, like these chick skaters are all witches. 
Oh, I think you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm working on that. I, I'm oh, kind of going between real life, like the Warriors, yeah. but with chicks and skaters in Manhattan yeah. kind of thing, going down to Coney Island, or they're witches. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I want it to be this cool, gritty indie like movie, or if I want it to be like have supernatural shit in it. Whatever I think is what you should do the opposite of because everything. No, my instincts are terrible. When <laughs> every, it comes to everything. everything I like is just like you know. We passed on Machine Gun Kelly because I was like, "Fuck this nerd, <laughs> he's fucking huge." Uh, well, I mean, yeah. yeah, I guess he is pretty tall. If that's what you mean. <laughs> no, but you know, he's like doing well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he has an audience, and I'm sure you know. It's he, not me, obviously. Yeah, yeah, you know. I saw him in a movie just recently. He was called. just at our emo night in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like the... Um, he's like the he's vanilla like, ice of modern day... I was going to say like the, the nice version of Yellow Wolf, which yeah, is like... I don't know what that is. He's like a rapper on the uh, yeah. M&M's label. Nice. But uh, yeah, I have my movie idea, so I'll just pitch it to you, and you could take it, because I'm never going to... Yeah, what is it? Is it Apocalypse? Everyone pitches me the apocalypse. Yeah, it's the apocalypse, and this guy Joe Rubino <laughs> <laughs> and sideways hat wearing Tim, <laughs> a paint buddy. <laughs> well, really, what I wanted to do was just kind of have like a. Anytime you incorporate stuff with like social media and technology, I like. Oh yeah, stuff like Black Mirror. I don't oh, know yeah, that show's cool. Black Mirror is amazing. Yeah, right? yeah, that's bad. I've only seen two, three episodes, but I like. Okay, that a lot. you the have... new season. This season, I saw. Okay, what what did you watch? Um, the one about the. The one with Dallas in it. Okay. About the social media yes. shit. That was friggin' amazing. Yes. And the one with the girl is dead, I guess, the whole time. The coma? It's like 80s. Yeah, that's... That movie's... That, that short is called San Junipero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it got a lot of hype, so That is that the one. best hour of TV I saw last year. <laughs> okay. I right. don't think I've seen anything more creative in my fucking life yeah, it was pretty than crazy. Black Mirror's San Junipero. Like, mm-hmm. I saw it three times. I got hyped so much. I'm like, I gotta watch this friggin' thing. <sighs> fucking mind-blowing yeah. to me. Uh, but yeah, my idea is um, just having this kind of like dark net area um, where you could match up like a killer mm-hmm. to someone who you feel deserves it. You know, so yeah. kind of like, um, you know, like uh, you enter in someone's information, uh, you make a plea as to why they're a shitty human being, <laughs> and then from there you you hit send, yeah. and then there's like this circuit of like random killers that nice. basically, you know, will dispatch them. Nice. So, yeah. Something like that. Are you I'm, trying to make that a real thing, or is this a movie? Because it sounds like it could be a real thing. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to make it a movie. If you like the idea, you could no, but I mean, build upon it. I want to really kill people. Uh, I mean, make it a real thing in real life. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we, we could definitely push for that, too. As soon as, <laughs> as soon as this podcast takes off, I figure that we could pitch, you know, we, we'll be on top of the world, and then we'll start this... Uh, this, this uh, Murder for hire business? Yeah, but it's, yeah. like, so anonymous because it, it won't have, like, a motive. It's in the deep web. Yeah, exactly. Just pick it up. I know, because, like, you have all the insider information of when the people are home and when they're not and when they're easy to kill. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, yeah, if you guys are listening no, but that is you, you like idea, that though. idea, then just take it, because I'm, I'm definitely not, I'm too busy. and You're too busy. I have no, um, I don't have show business friends. No one's going <laughs> to, no one's going to support my movie. Do you want me to make the skater movie be realistic or with witches? 
Uh, to be honest with you, realistic or with witches, I really like the witches angle. Yeah. I do. Could be cool. Because anything besides that. It'd be like true romance. Yeah. Kind of a movie, Legend of Billie Jean combo mixed with the craft, but not as like, not as like corny. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to definitely jump more into the story, but on paper, um, just witches on roller skates just seems like (laughs) skateboards quentin tarantino (laughs) thrashing all right so um before we end i just want to ask you for old 37 what were your five biggest influences in making that movie so yeah i thought long and hard and long and hard long and hard (laughs) yeah that's the name of my movie company no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um so, yeah, I guess I would have to say, like, for the look of it, you know, I really liked the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake with Jessica Biel. Mm-hmm. Like, I just liked the way that looked. Like, that director was super gr- Like, that's gritty. Yeah, it's gritty, but it's also super slick looking. Great angles and camera movements, and it just looked awesome. What? And it was scary as shit. Like, it was, it was intense, and it was dark and scary, but crisp. Like, you could see everything. Well, because it, it, I feel like it was like, you know, without sounding corny, it was like a, a old school feel with a modern yeah. twist. Because the right. first one, you know, tech, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, you can't outgrit that. No. Right. <laughs> that like, almost seemed real. Like, yeah. It, was like, it seemed, yeah. It seemed like, oh, let's follow these people yeah. around. Let's follow this hitchhiker around because he looks insane. That hitchhiker scene was so like, what? How did hitchhikers? Did anyone even write that, or did that just happen? <laughs> As a kid, that scene was horrifying. Yeah, it's crazy because that guy, that actor, seemed insane. Right, he's slicing his hand. Oh, so weird. And he had like the thing in the tinfoil or something. Yeah, and he was just like, like t- what was is like happening? Taking pictures of like, oh no, he was taking he's like taking pictures of them, and then he's like, he oh, burned them, right? Yeah, yeah. He'll I mean, be like, it's just like what is? Ha- it's hard to wrap your head around it when you're at least so young. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like so when weird that scene stuff w- that's happening, you're like, what is happening? When that fucking scene, like you know, the multiple times that we watched it, like there was something uneasy. Yeah. About just watching him because I'm like, I guess this is a movie, but that guy, I never want to meet that guy. <laughs> no, he I seems know. so weird. I know. <laughs> so, I know. All right. So that definitely the Devil's Rejects. I was just big into like that look. That's another one with a great look. Great look. I mean, that's Rob Zombie's like mo. Like he's a does make things look awesome. Right? Doesn't he have? Yeah. He has a great eye, oh, and I yeah. think that that's what, what where the videos come from, like yep. where the band stuff. Mm-hmm. I think his cinematography is great. I think it yep. like everything, even his direction is just like yeah. I just feel like his first two movies are fine. Yeah, everything after is just like an abortion. Yeah, because um, he's maybe not the best screenwriter. I don't know what it is. But I just no watched Thirty One. I did too. I didn't. No, you know what? I bought Thirty One and I watched the behind the scenes. Yeah, because that's like my favorite shit. So okay. I haven't actually even watched the movie yet. Yeah, but because I have a kid. So I mean, it's 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 okay. It's tricky. Um, but I think like you know the visuals are are his strong point. They kick ass the visuals. Yeah, like, I, mean, I love Lords of Salem, even though the movie is not like that great of a story or anything. But I just love the vibe of it. I love the look of it. He has a good eye, and, and the yeah. soundtracks are usually kick ass. Yeah. So I know it's crazy. So definitely Devil's Rejects. <clears throat> I would say just as a broad sense of things, I would say like a Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, where it's just like 
grab ass and kids yeah having a good time you know like you know that's kind of the idea like old 37 is kind of just like supposed to be a teen slasher yeah it's like the gist of what it is you know yeah i guess so yeah same with i know what you did last summer Definitely the first four Friday the 13th are like... I uh, said Slither, too. Oh, Slither's great. Yeah, just because I like that cop, and he's kind of funny, and Yo, he's just like... Uh, Slither is so, movie. so underrated. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I think James Gunn, what did he have to do with that? He directed it. He directed it, Yeah, right? yeah, he's, that's like his big first like outing. Yeah, I saw Belko, Belko Experiment. What's Belko? Is that his? That was the last movie that he did, well, besides the Guardian movie. Oh, so it was after Slither? Yeah, the Belko Experiment came Belko out this year. Belko Experiment? Oh, yeah. cool. I never heard of uh, it. What it is, it's um, it's these co-workers are in this company, and um, it's I think it takes place in some other country. Um, and they, I guess there's an exper- Belko Experiment. <laughs> What's Belko? And there's like, I think 90 of them, oh. and they all have to kill each other. Okay. So somebody gets on the loudspeaker and they're like, you know, in in thirty minutes, forty five of you need to be dead. Oh, other if if forty five of you are Is not it cool. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, check um, it out. That sounds. Cool. But it's just absurd. It's like there's no like battle royale. It's like battle royale. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but for me, Get Out and The Void are the two. Get top, out! Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Top, those are the two top. I really liked. Um, what the fuck is that one where the kids are in the house and is it don't breathe? Oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Definitely with the blind guy, the blind guy, and I think the the chick from Evil Dead remake. The ending definitely like kicked it up a notch as to like what was oh, going on. Yeah, and just like ah, oh, yeah, drags her back. To Pretty her gross. House. Yeah. yeah so, and then cool. the insemination and yeah. all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, so. it's brutal. It got real brutal. I interviewed that kid, the kid that's in that. Did you? The Thirteen Reasons Why kid. Uh huh. He was in a band that played that night at the Strange Eighties. He's cool. All right. Well. uh... Cool, man. Thanks for sitting down and doing this. Um, I just knew that once we did this podcast that I wanted to get you on because, I don't know, I like to talk to people who I like talking to. And on top of that, anyone who has like a really cool story. And the fact that I have a friend who had a dream <laughs> and seven years later made a movie like on that dream. Like, that's a pretty cool fucking story. So crazy, uh, I'm sure. very glad that uh, you got to say it. And uh, as soon as all these other things start popping up that you're working on, uh, we could do like the sequel. We could do yeah. the part two of the, of, of the show. See you in seven years. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Next time you have a dream, you know, just, we'll book you in, uh, in a decade. 20. What are we up to? 2024? 20, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fine. Amazing. Amazing. Like 2000 was such a big deal. Now it's like 2017. Yeah, it's nothing. Yep. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. So, all right, cool. So uh, that's about it. I don't know if there's anything else you want to say. I want to say I love you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, I love you. All right. See ya. Bye.